0: Welcome back into another episode of the All Ball Podcast. George and I are back. We didn't discuss on Wednesday to preview the games for this past week. I'm starting a new job and, you know, just kind of getting my feel for everything. So we weren't able to record on Wednesday, but we are back to a normal schedule. But now we will be recording on Mondays like we normally do to recap all the games from this past Sunday slate. And on Thursday now to preview the week ahead as well as some other topics. So like next week or this upcoming Thursday, we'll be discussing our midseason awards that we weren't able to discuss last Wednesday. In this one, though, we will be discussing week 10 of the NFL season and all the rocky roads that we saw there with the Washington football team stunning the Buccaneers, unfortunately, and ruining a bunch of my bets, as well as, you know, Russell Wilson coming back and playing against the Packers and then finishing it off with the Sunday night game where we saw the Chiefs, you know, kind of start to look to like they returned to form against the Las Vegas Raiders team. Hope you enjoy this one. Thank you for listening. So it's been a minute since we've talked on this pod. I know it's only been a week and that's normally what the schedule was before, but when you get in that ru- when you get in that run of, you know, twice a week every Monday and Wednesday meeting with you and discussing what's going on in the football schedule, it leaves you a little like wanting something more when we take that one day off and especially when it got to Sunday and I <laughs> I just hadn't previewed any of these games. We hadn't gone through, you know, the top matchups, we hadn't given out our best bets, all these different things. It kind of left me in the dark and it felt a little weird going into this Sunday yeah. slate.
1: No, hundred percent. Yeah, honestly, uh, yeah, we got into such a good rhythm of doing Monday and Wednesday that, um, you know, on this past Wednesday, I was like, "Damn!" You know, I was you know looking forward to talking about it and everything, and maybe that uh, was part of the explanation of why this week didn't go my way. Um, I'll you know chalk it up to the fact that we didn't get to you know get in the war room over it. Um, and- yeah, it's
0: it's our yeah. No, I agree. It left me a little bit unprepared when it came to you know making my bets on Sunday. I still felt good going into it, but there was a couple that we'll get into, obviously, that, you know, really swayed how we were feeling when it came into Sunday. So, well, well let's you know, get even, right into
1: it. Yeah. Well, oh. you, one last thing is, like, even if I don't, you know, I, I was doing a better job as the season went along of actually taking what I was giving out on Wednesday. But even when I didn't, at least I had looked at the board prior, whereas like I went in this Sunday And I look at the board and I I just, it was all so unfamiliar. I wasn't ready. I ended up just doing the classic route of like, you know, teasing down a lot of favorites. Obviously, if you were following, you would know, like if you were following the NFL, you'd know Arizona and Tampa, you know, both didn't get it done. Um, So you can imagine that it didn't go great for me. So yeah, so let's get right into it then.
0: Let's start off with Atlanta versus Dallas. This is one of those that, you know, there was a couple of these or a few of these where Not much to discuss with it. This was just a dominant performance from Dallas after what we need to see after they lost to Denver and pretty much got dominated the week prior against Denver. They were up 30. Denver was up 30 to nothing. And, you know, Dallas got a couple of bullshit last second touchdowns when it was garbage time at this point. But this one from start to finish, they just dominated. And the interesting part was they didn't need to use the running game at all. 25 carries for 83 yards combined for Zeke and Tony Pollard in this one. And that's what makes the Dallas offense so dangerous is the fact that, you know, Michael Gallup comes back. And that adds another perimeter threat that you have there with CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. But it's the fact that, you know, you can stop the run, you can go all out on the run, stop it, but then Dak is going to dice you up however he wants. And then vice versa. If they want to take away the pass, they'll just pound you in the ground with that great offensive line and the Zeke and Tony Pollard combo.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's funny, you know, I, I have to push back a little bit on the garbage time thing because they actually only had seven points in the second half and zero in the fourth quarter. The, I guess, you know, the, other side of it is that the garbage time was in the second quarter when they scored 29 points and went into half up 36 three. Well,
0: no, I'm talking about last week against Denver.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, last Bob. week against Denver. Denver's I thought you were saying guys. they scored some garbage time. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. She wouldn't no. have been wrong about if you consider the second quarter to be garbage time. No. <laughs> <or whatever. laughs> now, nah. um, nah, honestly, um, I think I think this is one of those games where there's two ways of looking at this game going into it. You can either say, okay, Atlanta looked good against new Orleans and Dallas looked terrible. Maybe these teams were closer than we thought, or the like, you know, correct way to look at it based on the, on this result, which is okay. Atlanta had a really good week coming up, like, you know, coming off an emotional win and the Cowboys shut the bed and they're going to come back and get it done now. And, and I think um, that's exactly what happened. And I think, you know, the Cowboys, Maybe in any other year you would say, I don't know if they have enough. There's, you know, this team that you could point to every team in the NFC, all those top five teams that we've talked about, you know, as the clear top five teams, they all have flaws and we're going to get to them later. So the Cowboys are as good as those other teams. And, you know, they have flaws like those other teams. So that, you know, it was just a nice reassurement that they are in fact a true contender in the NFC this week.
0: Yeah. This was two teams going in two different directions. We, we, when you talked about the Atlanta part of it, this is a team that, you know, they're, they're hanging on that last uh, playoff spot in the NFC. And, you know, that's a pretty much of a toss up at this point where there's a bunch of different teams that could go there. But when you looked at their schedule, they hadn't beaten anybody of note. And when they played a very good team in Tampa, they lost pretty handedly. And now you look at Tampa, they played two very good teams, Tampa and Dallas. Dallas and Tampa have combined for 91 points across those two games. This, their defense isn't there. The offense, we saw Matt Ryan just struggle all day. I know Calvin Ridley's out. And really, you can only focus on Kyle Pitch for the most part to get like consistent production there but the fact is they don't have the offense or the defense there to really compete. And I, I don't see them hanging around. I didn't believe when they were four and four, I believe is the last time we spoke when we spoke. Uh, I believe they're four and four right now. Or yeah. They're, yeah. they're four and five now, four and five now, but I, I wasn't a believer. Then I'm still not a believer. This is a team that was able to get by and beat some bad teams,
1: but when they go up against good to great teams, they can't do it at all. Well, the thing is two teams that you don't believe in are going to be in the NFC playoffs. Right, and, and we'll sort of touch on these teams as we go along, and I have one that I definitely believe had prized the best chance, and it's not the Eagles, just in case you thought it was. Um, but yeah, you know, look, I don't like the Falcons, but they might be in, and you could say the same about the Panthers and a bunch of these other teams we'll get to, including, if you want to go there now, the New Orleans Saints, who, um, you know, covered against tennessee we were talking about this is one of the sketchiest lines i've ever seen so you mean to tell me that the titans who just beat the rams on the road four straight amazing wins would be dogs in a neutral field game against new orleans if the line's two and a half in tennessee and then then i find out Kamara isn't playing so so you're saying the saints with no qb no running back and still no Michael Thomas, so they don't, have their t- they don't have their player at, you know, the three most important offensive positions, you know, sk- skill-wise. I guess, you know, offensive line is a different thing. Um, you mean to tell me that they would be favored on a neutral field, and, and lo and behold, they end up covering. Um, as far as the game itself goes, I mean, it wasn't the prettiest game. Um, I thought, you know, the Titans just keep stringing wins together however you want to slice it. They're 8-2 and two now, um, and they're the top spot in the AFC. Yeah, I know. I can't. I can't knock
0: the the Titans. We did t- discuss before. I think it was at like one o'clock, like right after the, the lines or the games kicked off. We were talking about you're like this is the sketchiest line I've ever seen. But then you also also have to look at the Tennessee side of it. No Julio Jones, who's been out for a couple weeks now. Obviously Derek Henry's out. And then when you look at that New Orleans Saints team, yes, they're missing Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Jameis Winston, but that offensive line is one of the elites in the NFL and that defense is still very good. So the fact that you have Marshawn Lattimore that can shut down AJ Brown, he did that in this game and take away really the only semblance of a passing game or offensive like offense that you can bring from them for the most part is is why I thought that, you know, the, the three and a half, I believe, or the two and a half, that two and a half, that New Orleans, that New Orleans was um, underdogs by, I thought it was still, you know, some value there because I didn't think that Tennessee necessarily has the offense that, at the
1: moment can overpower you to really feel
0: very comfortable with them.
1: So, so we didn't get to talk about this on, on, um, or actually we did talk about this on Monday, but then let me ask you this. Is the Rams offensive line that bad if the Titans were getting through so easily last Sunday, but then, you know, the saints with their good O line held up a lot more.
0: So actually like, I thought that was the case too, but then I saw that Stafford had the second most time to throw in the entire season.
1: And I saw that as well, but, but what you saw on the field simply would not reflect that. And that's one of those times where like the stats and the reality didn't match up for me because I saw what I saw, you know? Yeah, no, I get that. That's what, that's
0: the conclusion. I came away from it too, but it's the fact of maybe, maybe you got skewed from a couple of plays or whatever, but they were able to drop seven in the coverage. It didn't seem like they blitzed really that much. And Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons for a second, like this guy has more pressures right now than Aaron Donald for a defense, like that, that's insane to say. And they both yeah. play the same position. So you're getting consistent pressure from him. You're getting Howell Landry on the outside. You are getting pressure there. I think that the ability from the, them to drop back seven then and still get the pressure is why you were able to see them falter
1: the Rams a lot. And Matthew Stafford threw a couple of really bad interceptions. Yeah, and I also think j- just one more thing on those stats. I wonder if um, they got skewed in the second half. When maybe they backed off a little bit more, because it did seem like early in the game they were all in the backfield and maybe they relented a little bit in the second mm-hmm. half. I, I could definitely see that being the case. Uh, for
0: Tennessee, I still, it's just, it's one of those things I'm not going to believe it until I see it where they're, that I can put them in that, where I can feel very comfortable. Like, you know, I want to put my money on them to make this, to win the AFC, because I'm not going to say role, but like to feel comfortable there. They're they're winning now, but we've seen the AFC as a whole, the entire conference is is really shoddy at the moment with all these top teams really, you know, showing you that they have a lot of weaknesses
1: here across the board. Yeah. I mean, are they uh, let me pull up the standings quick. They're they're in first now by like a full game and a half, I believe. Um, Yep,
0: yep. The the next closest team is Buffalo and Baltimore at six and three. So they're a game and two. Yeah, game and a half.
1: Yeah, exact exa- which is just wild, but you know the thing is that they could lose two games and be right back down. You know, I remember we talked about like how we would rank the AFC teams a couple weeks ago and I put the Titans like third and I think you might have had them even lower than me. Yeah, I think I, think
0: should... I had four, I think I had them fifth below the I think we I i think we both had Bengals at 4 and I had I had uh I forget, but yeah. I think I had them I, I, fifth.
1: Looking at the standings now, I probably went Bills, Ravens, Titans, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um and uh uh, you know, I, I kind of somewhat stand by it to an extent. I mean, I I, I agree with you that I'm hard-pressed to look at the Titans and say, okay, this is like a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Now, it's going to be a different story if they can, you know, keep this record up. They're doing what they have to do. They're maintaining the record. And then the timetable for the Derek Hen- Henry injury should line up pretty well for, you know, week 17 or 18. Plus, I mean, look, they're game and a half up. They could get the bye. And that would be fantastic. So, um, you know keep eyes on them they keep winning games they've i mean i don't know how many in a row this is that are just like truly very very impressive wins it doesn't matter how you get them done you just win i mean it's it's six straight if you want
0: we'll take out the jag team because it's not like an impressive win but five straight really impressive wins and we were saying like we said, Bulls, two, the, yeah, well, we said this after the two, yeah. We said this after the two game, or I said this after the two game no, stretch sure. they had, where it was like the Bills versus and the Chiefs, where they beat them in consecutive weeks. I'm like, this is the best two game stretch we'll probably see from any team this season. Where and they, then, they and, where they, and that's why,
1: and that's part of the reason why everyone loved them against the Colts so much, and they get that done, and then they lose Derrick Henry, and everybody loves the Rams, even giving a lot of points, and they get that done, and then this line, and you know, look, they may not have covered, but I don't think they care about that in the locker room as much as I do on the outside, so they get it, <laughs> exactly. you know. They, They got it done again. So, yeah. And then as far as the saints go, um, look, they're feisty. They are five and four. So they have a game in hand over all these other teams fighting for that, you know, those last two NFC playoff spots. I still don't buy it, but it's I'm hard pressed to find two other teams to buy. I have one team and, but I, I, you know, maybe the saints are that team maybe they go um you know eight and nine and get in it's going to be interesting when these nfc south teams play each other a bit more like you know late in the season and we'll see how those games shake out you know i wouldn't be surprised there are a couple massive playoff implication games around week 16 17 18 between the falcons saints and panthers um and in the meantime you know we'll just see we'll have to monitor their injury status of kamara and if if slash ever michael thomas were to no he's out he's out for the season yeah, yeah. Yeah. I knew he had the other ankle injury. Yeah, no, nah, he's, he's done. So, yeah, I mean,
0: going back to what you were saying about Tennessee, they, if this isn't college, them winning by two against Trevor Simeon and the New Orleans Saints doesn't matter. It doesn't mean, it means the same amount as them beating the Kansas City Chiefs 27 to three. Yeah, that's just what it is they're getting they're finding ways to get it done and you know that's impressive tip of the cap to them but when it comes to playoff time the fact is it's one game and you're done and that's where I, I still there's too many things about this team if Derek Henry's healthy and we'll see what the what's the case at the end of the season if he's going to make if he's able to make a return if Julio Jones can come back then it's a different story with this team but right now as it stands where it's just Ryan Tannell and AJ Brown and then you know you want to put Deontay Forma, uh, Deontay, Deontay Foreman. Adrian Peterson, whoever you want on the outside or in the skill position players. Like that's where I'm going to find some hesitation to really give this team the benefit of the doubt when yeah, it comes well, to thinking about them over teams like the Bills, teams like the Ravens, and even teams like the
1: Chiefs. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean, we need, um, like I said, the timetable for Henry when they gave us the six to 10 week timetable, it did line up for him to be back for the playoffs. So, you know, that's something that we'll talk about probably in about a month from now. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Another AFC South game, Jags Colts. Um, There's the obvious Colts angle of like, okay, cool, they um, they you know they won another game. There's the Jags angle of they hung in tough. I'm gonna take the sort of anti-Colts angle a bit and say, you score 17 in the first, you're playing the Jags at home. You have with Derek Henry out, the best running back in the league currently. How did you not put this game away? That's sort of what alarmed me because you score six points in the, in the last three quarters of the game, second, third, and fourth. Um, you got to put this game away period. You know, if you have a guy like Jonathan Taylor and then you have other running backs as well, you know, you have Heinz, you have Mac. So I, I thought, um, I thought it was a little weird that, you know, it's one of those games where you, you know, you watch the first couple of touchdowns on red zone. You say, okay, game over. And all of a sudden they show you Jags with the ball down six. So v- very confusing. Um, and sort of just reaffirms that the Colts are just a level below what we thought they could have been. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I saw, I had Indy minus 10 in this one and I thought 17, nothing after the first and my bet's done. Like I'm, I'm good. They have Jonathan Taylor. They're going to run it down their throats. Like they had been, I mean, he had six carries for 72 yards, I believe in the first quarter, mm-hmm. but the Jags stepped over, over the game. And, you know, I'm asked, trying to think to myself, how do you score six points versus the Jags in three quarters? But then I remember the week before. The Bills did then four quarters. So, I mean, could we say that the Jags potentially could be turning a corner? I'm not saying they're like a playoff contender, but it's no, not. Yeah, a team that's not embarrassing where, you know, they got run out of the building in the in
1: week one against the Texans. You know, I saw, I don't know if it was Cowherd or whoever it was tweet something today to the effect of, um, or maybe, you know, I don't know if it was him, but regardless, it was something to the effect of like, you know, Salah, Robert Salah, the Jets guy. Mm -hmm. is like someone with a strong defensive rep the jags fight on defense right everybody hates Meyer on the outside right they think he's a clown all that i i don't fully buy into that you know he's obviously a great coach with an amazing track record one of the best college coaches you know if nick saban didn't exist he'd be he may be the best college coach of all time the way he's gone to different programs exactly
0: that's the point that i think you need to hammer home the fact that he's gone to different places and been
1: successful at all of them and so and so it's like like I know like, you know, whatever happened on the outside is bad. I'm not surprised that this team is showing some fight and, you know, you could say, Oh, the Jags have defensive talent. All the guys that were on the team that made the AFC championship game are gone with the exception of miles. Jack, all of them are gone, right? You know, Ramsey's gone. Booyah's gone. Campbell's gone. And Gakwe's gone. They're all gone. So, and they're still here. They're still playing hard. Um, You know, they've drafted decently. Well, Josh Allen, obviously had a phenomenal game the week prior. Um, they're a little bit feisty. You know, they're not the worst team in the league. They're probably fringe bottom five, which is not great, but it's it's a little bit of improvement. That's all you can ask for in the first year for a new coach. So, um, you know, they'll be interesting to monitor. I, you know, kind of like what they have going there. You want to see the upward trajectory. They're not expecting – I mean, look, everybody's
0: like, okay, best-case scenario, this team could sneak in with, like, eight wins maybe. They could get to that eight, nine win. But this is a one-in-16 team, and it's not like you're – like we saw a tre- like they don't have the guys around Trevor Lawrence for him to step in and be that type of guy. And that's not a knock on him. I, I still think he'll be a great NFL quarterback. But the fact is that the pieces weren't around there. You have a, a coach that's coming in from the college ranks and you're implementing a whole new system, implementing a whole culture. And then you have these other off the field stuff that obviously um, plays into the fact that the things don't go as well as you want. But right now you're trending upwards where you're facing two, Two very good teams in the AFC at this point. One amazing team, I believe, in the Bills, and then one very good to good team in the Colts. And you held held your own. You won one of the games against the Bills, and then you like went down to the wire you had the ball with a chance to win the game and you know I I think this team is on the upward trajectory we'll see if Ermeyer makes it out for the end of the season I I still think I'm still like a little bit of a skeptic because of the fact of what I've heard reports out of the locker room and all that and then obviously the stuff that we've seen off the field where you know it calls
1: into question what type of leader that you really want there but But I'm not sure that I buy that anymore because because I almost thought that that was like a media thing started by the media. And then the media was like, like chasing its own tail, if you will, a little bit where it was like, where it was like, Oh, you know, they see the urban Meyer thing come out. They're like, Oh, this can't be good for the locker room. And then it's like this guy saying it can't be good for the locker room. This guy saying he's going to be out in the year. And it just sort of goes around like that. And, and, you know, if anything, the, you could argue the team's performance has gotten better since then. Um, so I, I, you know, Unless he decides to leave, I don't necessarily see him like getting fired or anything like that. And also, you go ahead.
0: I just think that they're a young team, so they're coming along. I don't expect them to tank the season to get him fired, and I I don't think Sha... I don't think uh, Shad Khan is going to be firing him in the middle of the season when he knows, like, Trevor Lawrence is his first year, I'm going to ride it out with Urban Meyer for a full season, because I don't want to show... I want to show, like, to the other coaching candidates that I could potentially have there. Like, the same way with the Browns when they had Hugh Jackson, they went 0-16. Like, you still bring him back, because the roster's not good there, but it's also about sending the message to other coaching candidates. Like, okay, this guy was as bad as you could potentially be and we still brought him for a second season so if you are between other jobs you know that you will have a stable organization that will give you the benefit of the down at least right out throughout the throughout the, a season or plus obviously withstanding some of the off the field stuff and I just think look the team as a whole is super young they're turning a corner I think because players are just getting better because they're getting more reps there and obviously they, they're learning they're getting more familiar with the scheme because the, these are both new offensive coordinators new defensive coordinators new head coach just becoming more
1: uh, aware and just more uh, comfortable there. Yeah, that is fair. I think, um, I guess it depends on what candidates are available as well. You know, would I hire Urban to just get some OC that has, you know, four degrees of separation from McVeigh? Probably not. Would I do it for like a Doug Peterson? Yes, maybe I would. Um, Last thing, just very quickly, just a statement. I think Lawrence has benefited from being in Jacksonville. I feel like he's, avoided scrutiny as a number one pick pretty effectively for a, you know, relatively mediocre rookie season, more interceptions than touchdowns. Um, so, you know, I just feel like that's, it's kind of been good for him.
0: No, that's very true. That's very true. If he's in New York, he's getting hammered. He's getting like, I think that was the good thing about getting Gardner Minshew out of there because then there's less of the talk, like the same way that the Jets have that with Mike White, where it's, yeah. you know, all the talks. I mean, I think it's all settled this week, this past weekend, when he just absolutely shit the bet against the Bills. But before yeah. that, it's just all this talk. It's like, oh, can Mike White be the quarterback for the rest of the season? And what they let Zach Wilson just sit on the sidelines and, you know, kind of uh, like learn the offense, try and learn to be, you know, an NFL quarterback. But now that's put to rest. But now I think the fact that they got rid of Gardner Minshew, that doesn't even enter anybody. Like, nobody's talk, calling for him to get benched. No, uh, that's where I thought that was a good move by them to trade them. I thought they should have just done it beforehand, not, you know, giving them half the reps in the preseason. But yes, being in Jacksonville, as opposed to like a New York, a Chicago a New England, all these different places, it definitely worked out for the benefit for them. OK, let's head let's head over to New England, Cleveland, New England. One of the more surprising outcomes of the entire weekend, you know, two things I've been saying about the Browns for the past couple of weeks came up in this one. The Bengals game didn't show us that Baker didn't need Odell or that the Browns were better off with Odell. And I'm not saying that this game showed that, you know, Odell was more important than Baker and all of that. I just think that it was inconclusive after one week and that sure. Baker Mayfield is a ticking time bomb right now. And at some point in this season, we are going to see him get hurt too badly and he will be out for the rest of the season and will derail the rest or it might derail the rest of the Browns season. We saw that happen at the end of the game where he got banged up again and had to be forced out, and they put Case Keenum in. Obviously, I think the score had a little bit to play with it, but it's still just a thing that's lingering week after week. I mean, I think it's something that the Browns, if you're a Browns fan, you have to be very worried about going forward.
1: I think it'll be one of the more interesting topics of the offseason that will ultimately be resolved by the Browns just picking up the fifth-year option and us, ha- and us having to talk about it for a, a year following. Um, I think, you know, it would be tough for Baker to come to the table with a straight face and demand 35 million a year, you know, like based on what and regardless of what you think about Odell with him or without him, he's now worth 38 points, um, which is what they lost by. Yeah. Um, it's bad for the Browns. They're hanging on for dear life. They, you know, you're getting to the point now in the AFC with so many five win teams to fall back to five and six would be you know nothing short of disaster so they're hanging in there now five and five um they're in a really difficult division they have some more tough games headed their way going forward and you know we'll have to see
0: yeah i'm looking they're playing the lions now so (laughs) next week so you know they should be be, be better than that one yeah they should be six and five by the end of this week i mean i I don't know lions play some teams some play teams closely but i expect them to take care of business as for the pad side, amazing win for them. Offense moved the ball up and down the field on the Browns. The defense really came through, especially after that first drive. I want to talk about one thing. I do not get this man- narrative. Well, I do not get this narrative that Mac Jones would be the first or second pick in the draft if they redrafted, if they redone it right now. Because it was said during the whole process that this was – well, it was said during this whole process that this guy was the most pro-ready. He will probably be the best guy in year one, and he went to – by far the best situation in the New England Patriots. Like by far, if you went to every other situation that the rookie quarterbacks went to, I think at the moment, maybe Lance, but Lance was also the furthest away from being a guy that could actually play. So I guess that plays a hand in it. But it's not the fact of, okay, this guy's better in year one. He should have been the number one overall pick. It's the fact that the other four guys offer so much ability when it comes to athletic traits and all the other things that they bring to the table that Mac Jones doesn't is why these guys were picked ahead of him and should have been and why if i was a coach in every situation going forward if i was to redo the draft right now i would take all of those guys ahead of mac jones because it doesn't matter about them being better and we are one for me your year two but year three four and five these guys all could be better than him and when i look at mac jones he will not be a top five quarterback in the nfl he maybe might not be a top 10 quarterback when it's all said and done in the nfl at any point in his career with all of those guys, I at least get that upside there. And that's what I'm chasing when I'm taking a quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft. I want a guy that I know I can look at and be like, that's a top 10 guy. I go I go into any stadium and I feel comfortable. I take Russell Wilson as banged up as he was and as bad as the showing. I know it's not a great ex, uh, comparison, but just the fact of I still feel comfortable. I still feel comfortable going to Lambeau after missing six weeks after a serious injury to feel comfortable that my team can go out and win that game.
1: Yeah, well, I agree in the sense that like, you know, with a guy like Mac Jones, we could be looking at the team they just beat up on, right? You could end up in a Baker Mayfield situation where it was a it was a safer option than say a Darnold or a Josh Allen in that draft. Um, but or of course like a Lamar who went way later, but you sort of see the downside of it. I'm hard pressed to say that I would take all four of those guys. You know, Wilson and Lance would both make me hesitant. Um Wilson because I just, you know, hated what I saw. And then Lance because I don't like when a guy just Flat out isn't ready, you know, his first year. I mean, look, Carson went to North Dakota State, too. And he was, you know, a lot more ready than Trey Lance looked. Um, but it, regardless, now I agree with what you're saying to, to give you an answer. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to act like, oh, like we're two guys that are like above the media narratives, because I, you know, I don't believe that to be true. But at the same time, it's like, look, people you know, during these guys, rookie season are going to look back on the rookie performance and then talk about how it compares to the draft. You know, it's rare to find somebody on like ESPN or Fox or even Twitter. That's going to be like, you know, no, keep the long-term view. He's in the best situation. He was the most pro ready while these other guys are more talented. So I'm not necessarily surprised to see that narrative, even though I do agree with, you know, you disagreeing with it.
0: Yeah. I look, the whole thing is that he was looked at as this guy. It just didn't make sense to me. It's like you guys didn't think he was worthy of the third overall pick with all the information that we had there. That this guy was going to be really good in his first year, but nobody was saying like, "Oh, this guy's going to be a bust." It, we all just thought he was a low ceiling, hot like medium floor. There, the yeah, other you kind of hate him.
1: I'm I'm like listening
0: to what you're saying now. You kind of don't like. Him. No, I don't like the whole narrative of like, okay, this guy's very good right now. If we went back and redid the draft, he would go number one or number two overall. I would take well, I would take four of those guys, and with the and with the land stuff, it's like okay, Carson Wentz started a lot more games than him. The guy started
1: one season, and then it got cut short because of COVID. But the thing is, but the thing is, like you know, I agree these other guys have potential. I don't think any of those guys even have a positive touchdown reception ratio. So like, I do agree with the upside. But you have to admit that pretty much all these guys have been worse than we thought they would be.
0: He has been the best. He has been the best rookie quarterback. I'm not denying that. But he's also. Yes, by far. But he's been in the best situation, which also allows him to do that. I mean,
1: the guy threw for under
0: under 200 yards and his team put up 45 points. but
1: But aside from Mac Jones, Mac Jones aside. Can't you admit that the rookie class has been worse than you expected with their yes, performance?
0: So yes. But I could also, I could also point to three of the guys. Okay. So Trey Lance still hasn't even been playing, so we can't even put him in. But the other yeah, three fine. guys are potentially in three of the worst situations in the NFL right now in Justin yeah. Fields, Zach Wilson, and Trevor Lawrence. Like you can put the Texans and the lions in that group. And I don't know if there's another team that I look at and like, okay, this is a worse situation than them. And I wouldn't even put it past those that to be the top five or the bottom five when it comes to situations. So I put all that into the grouping And again, when I'm looking for a quarterback that I want to ride into when I know down the line, I'm going to have to pay this guy 35 plus million dollars a year, probably I want a guy that I feel comfortable is going to be a top 10 or top five guy or has that potential. And I do not see that with Mac Jones. You can do the, all the Brady comparisons that you want. I don't see that. I am not going to say that every white guy that's immobile, that plays for the Patriots could be Tom Brady because he's able to dink and dunk or just, he's not doing that, but I'm just saying everybody's like, Oh, Brady, like used to dink and dunk, like. After I was talking about you know the the Patriots uh, Buccaneers game, I was like, oh, all he does is dink and dunk, and all his completion percentage looks nice. Everybody's like, oh Brady, you know he did that for so much of his career, and then he moved on. Like he now he's where he's at. I'm like, not every guy that dinks and dunks and, and is white in place for the Patriots is Tom, is going to be Tom Brady. That that's just not going to be the case. I think he'll be a solid quarterback, but it, it, you could also be trapped, like you said, with the Baker Mayfield stuff, where it's like you know, you're, you're kind of seeing yourself. It's like, okay, is this guy really a difference maker to the point where we want to pay him 35, $30 million a year when, you know, Patrick is getting 50, like, is that
1: $20 million a year? The difference in them? I, I don't necessarily see that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's an interesting thing. Cause like, you know, I understand the rationale of the upside. Um, I think, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of like in the NBA in the sense where it's like, um, you know, it's like so valuable to like take, uh the, like long shot and hope they're going to be superstar or whatever rather than a guy that you know is going to be a role player the thing is though um this is sort of like the other side of your argument is that i guarantee even if you would take the all four of those guys above mac jones i guarantee in 10 years he won't be the fifth best guy from the class i guarantee it probably not he's going to be you know third or fourth worst case, honestly, because it's because some of these guys who have high upsides, don't forget, they also have way lower floors, and the Patriots were ready to contend. Look, the reality is they're six and four in a wide open AFC. And, um, and they're playing the Falcons on Thursday, and they have an opportunity to, you know, sneak up even on the bills in the division, potentially. Um, And so I think, you know, in that sense, because they were in such a better situation, you know, you look at the 49ers, who claim they were ready to win this year, but then they draft a guy who can't play. So they waste it. They waste the top five pick on a guy who can't play. Then they're stuck in this, like in between, do we play him? Do we not play him? And they're just in an awful situation. Like they're a team that should have drafted Mac Jones, right? You know, they were talking about it the whole time. They were a team that was ready to go, but they didn't do it. Um, Arguably because they probably saw too much of Jimmy G in him, which I can see, like, that's kind of your point. But on the other hand, it's like this team wanted to win. They're winning. And I think um, the ceiling stuff is, you know, ceiling's imaginary, but like, you know, the performance is the reality. So I think, um I, th- I think, I think the Patriots, you know, should be happy with well, what they have. I mean, granted, they took him fifth as well. So they, right. They took him 15. Yeah, they didn't, so. they
0: didn't trade up for him. They waited for him to yeah. drop down. They would have been content. They seemed content if he wasn't there. So that, that's also a point that I, I agree. He's been great. And, you know, maybe the Niners are kicking themselves now. I, I don't think that if you redo it though, he, he, it's like, Oh, because of what he's done in nine games that like everything went out the window because when you take those guys in the top three with the high ceilings, you're you're projecting for three to four years down the road, not just in their rookie season. Uh, that mm. that's that's more so where I'm going. Okay, let's talk about the Bills and the Jets. Bills coming same thing. Do we with, have to? Uh, just just because it's the same thing with the Cowboys. Yeah,
1: yeah, no. The Bills
0: needed to dominate and show that, you know, after losing the Jags, which was just, <laughs> I mean, that was that was just that was one of the worst losses. That was one of the weirdest losses of the season. And they came out and they dominated this one. Uh, that's really it with this. You know, it doesn't show anything for the Bills because, look, it, the only thing it would have showed is if they struggled with them and, and pulled it out narrowly or even lost this one. But they, they did what they're supposed to do, and they've done this all season against bad teams, which is what made the Jacks game even weirder because yeah. they'd normally been dominating these bad teams
1: like the Dolphins, like the Jets, so on. No, it, it, it's a good point. It is a lot like the Cowboys game. Um, not much to add here. I'll say the flip side, the Jets, this is what happens when a backup comes in for a couple weeks, but then teams start to get film on him. Right. We see this all the time. Um, and so it was electric for a few weeks. And then, you know, teams see it a little bit more. He also, Mike White may or may not have been dinged up from the Colts game the week prior where he came out for a little bit. Um and he just put up a God awful performance and kind of put the QB controversy stuff to rest, because I'd rather take the upside of Wilson when the downside of Mike White is actually as bad as Zach Wilson.
0: <laughs> that, that is true. I, I never believed it. I, I didn't think he was going to be the guy. It was funny. It was funny for it all. I mean, people have made the Jeremy Lynn comparison. I don't it think is a little really, bit like it. It was a little bit, but I don't think he was as good as Jeremy Lin, or you know, maybe Jeremy. Like I was listening. Well, the to- Lynn thing was,
1: you know, multiple weeks, but then exactly. you what? Know, like the whole getting film on people. You know, one day they played the Heat, and the Heat, you know, full court pressed them the entire game and got like five steals on him in the first half, and it was all downhill from there. And I mean, he bounced around from team to team. He played. Yeah, it was just
0: a name. It was a name guy at that point.
1: Yeah. Okay,
0: Detroit, Pittsburgh. <laughs> the weird, the weirdest game of the weekend our first tie of the season you know we're due for at least I was going through with uh, with my boss today just you know we were talking about ties and you know we seem to get due one of these every every year this, this is this is one of those and it's honestly so fitting because that overtime was just absolutely atrocious there was a fumble there was the worst field goal attempt I've ever seen I think and then you know a bunch of missed opportunities when it came to interceptions that would have set like the Lions or the the Steelers up with good
1: field position to potentially win this game. You know, you know sometimes in a tie you ask yourself like who deserved this win, but it, but in this case it was almost one of those ones where it's like, wow, who deserved to lose more? And it's hard to say because they both really deserved it. Honestly, I think um I think Ben Roethlisberger is owed somewhat of an apology from myself included. So I'm sorry, Big Ben, because um this team absolutely fell apart without him. Um, and, uh, it, I just, I couldn't believe how they couldn't get anything going. You know, I thought, I thought they'd be able to roll with Najee Harris all game. Um, they, they shut Jared golf down completely, but you know, swift. And then a bunch of, I'm looking at the box score. I'm like, who's this guy with two rushes for 50 yards. Who's this guy with three rushes for 40 yards. So it was one of those games. Um, I thought, you know, the line only moved two points from like eight and a half to six and a half, or maybe it was like eight to five and a half when Big Ben got announced out. And I was like, oh, the Steelers are easily going to cover. I like this number. Um, And they didn't, obviously. Um, And I, I weird game Steelers. It's Not the worst thing, right? Because you look at all these AFC teams who are five and five, four and five, five and four. The Steelers are five, three, and one. That's a valuable tie. On the other hand, it could be an absolutely brutal tie, depending on how things shake out in the later weeks. But as it stands right now, it's kind of a good thing.
0: So I was gonna say, like, you know, this, this is a game where you look at it, and it's like it might like it's not one of those where I'm looking back and like, Oh, so glad we tied the lions. That that's just how I'm gonna of course. If, if I'm a Steelers fan, I'm that's how I'm looking at it. But yeah, the Jared Goff part of it, I mean. Gee, like 112 yards or 114 yards or whatever in an overtime game. Like, that's absolutely unbelievable. Like, I I don't think we've seen that for, I don't know what the lowest, what the lowest yardage total in an overtime game is, but that's got to be up there. And that is just insane to me. The Big Ben part of it, I wanted to bring it up to you. What do you think about the fact it went from, I believe, seven and a half to five and a half? So it was yeah, a two but, point swing and we had seen like Rogers out and I'm not saying he's even close to Rogers, but Rogers out, is like seven points. And then like Wilson's out like seven points, but then Ben it's two points.
1: Yeah. And elite QB is about seven. Um, and you know, they were putting Roethlisberger in more of like a, you know, like a, like a, I think, you know, even Darnold had moved the line more. Now you could say, you know, Mason Rudolph has played games before more so than PJ Walker. Um, but I did think it was, you know, noteworthy for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I, I, um, I do think when, when, when a guy's been there for so long, you know, maybe there's a leadership component, maybe there's something there. I, I don't know. I mean, the lines have been feisty in some of these games and some of them, they've been awful. Uh, Mason Rudolph looks solid ish early. And then it just, uh, it fell apart. Um, wow. Well, I don't know. I, thought, was, of, I thought it was, was fair. I thought it was a fair line movement. Honestly, I did, but now I don't, you know, I and mean, I thought it should have been three and a half.
0: I mean, four. I was so happy. I jumped on the lines plus seven and a half before Ben was ruled out or plus eight. And then I tried to do, the, I tried, I did the money line also at that same time. And that was, you know, it was a little bit of a brutal loss. The fact of like, it was a, at the end where like, push no it, yeah push but it, it's what you it's like what you were talking about it's like you could look at it as like oh like this is a good win or this is a good tie they like you don't know which team really deserved to win that game or tie that game so that's where it was like okay a push whatever i won the spread bet i didn't win the money line but it was one of those where it's like you know you, you thought i thought i was really on it there i thought the lines were going to pull
1: this one out and they had every opportunity to and you know it's a bad in the missed extra point right in the third yeah, quarter exactly um, I think – I think with the bets, you know, for me, like – for me, for a push, it always depends of, like, who was – you know, this game could be argued it was unfortunate for both teams. could also be argued it was fortunate for both teams. Like, okay, let's say a team's up by, you know, 18 all game and they – and, like, they, you know, they end up pushing on four or something like that. Like, that sucks. But if a team, you know, backdoors, then the push is a good thing. But this is one yeah. of those ones where it's kind of back and forth. It was there for the taking for either team. It was there for the losing for either team, clearly from what we saw from the offenses. And pick six could happen any day. Um yeah, I don't know. You can, yeah, you no, you yeah I know. I don't,
0: don't yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't walk away like pissed, like, oh my God, I can't believe. The Lions didn't close that one out. It is what it is. Pittsburgh right now, I mean, look, that, that tie, last thing I'm going to say, that tie I think will will hang over
1: them because the fact that they're now a half game out of first place as opposed to being but, tied with the Ravens there. But here's the thing. The Titans lost to the Jets. The Bills lost to the Jags. The Steelers might have just avoided their terrible loss with a tie. So that's why I'm saying it could prove to be a good thing. You know, if, if we're to do the glass half full thing because teams have bad losses, the game we're going to get to next was a terrible loss and is going to affect seeding in the playoffs. So, you know, it, it, I think um, I think it happens over the course of a season. Yeah. Teams lose. In this case, you didn't lose. You know, yeah. you only did half a loss. Okay, so let's talk about the game that ruined my Sunday
0: bets, and I think yours, some of you, and yours too. So uh, Tampa, up. Tampa losing to Washington. I also like you, like teased down some favorites, had some had some money line parlays in there, and obviously I had Tampa in there because I'm like, oh, coming off a of bye, Brady, bye off of and bye, the loss, bye,
1: bye and- lost Tom Brady. That should and be it, enough, right? I, you I, would think
0: exactly. He lost a Trevor. You lost a Trevor Simeon and the New Orleans Saints, and I'm um, and you're going to be against a Washington team that's not good. And they lost Chase Young in the middle of this game. And yet, come out the gate, Brady throws two picks in the first quarter, and all of a sudden you're down 6 or 10 nothing. I forget. Um, The offense couldn't get anything going against, you know, a really bad Washington defense. They ranked 31st in pass D DVOA, while Tampa ranks first in pass offense DVOA. And Brady throws for just 220 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, and they scored just 19 points. This is – this was just so disheartening when it came to just watching my son that my money just go down the drain because I'm like, how is Brady doing this? This is a, a Tom Brady-led offense, a Tom Brady team, and you are losing to Taylor Heineke.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and the case for Washington, right, is they played him feisty in the playoffs last year, which does count for something, and they were probably really amped up. You know, it was in Washington somehow because that's what you get for winning your division. Um, and and uh, you know, they, they like I said, they played them well. Um, I'm surprised, obviously a little bit shocked, but at the same time, you know, that panic button, I'm not going to hit it because teams struggle better to struggle now than in week 17 or, you know, 18, or of course in the playoffs, um, they're going to get some guys back. They're going to get Gronk and AB back. I mean, you know, you'd think Edwins and Godwin are enough. Um, but you know, and then Sherman was out, and is maybe their defense will get healthier over the course of a season in a vacuum for like a week. And especially for us betting, it was really shitty. Um, in general, for the bucks I don't know. Look, teams are losing this year. You know, you'd think there'd be like, like where's that nine and one team? It's not there. The closest thing is the Titans who are eight and two, and none of us believe in them. Um, and then a couple teams in the NFC as well, maybe the Rams if they win tonight. Um, and so it's, it's hard to say, you know, I just think, um, I mean, man, though, to lose to the Saints with a backup bye week lose again, it's a terrible, terrible stretch, no doubt about it. But if you're going to have a slump, like I said, this is not the worst time to happen.
0: Yeah. It's I'm not worried about the Bucs because obviously you look at their division. There's not many, there's not any team that I'm really worried about with them. I mean, the second best team right now, according to the standings is the saints. And like we said, Trevor Simeon's there, they don't really have an answer. At the quarterback position, and when you have Tom Brady there, it's not really something that I'm going to worry about. Yeah, it's this is a one week thing. As for Washington, you know they're scratching and clawing their way trying to get into that playoff picture, the last wild card spot in the NFC, and right now they're two games out of the last spot from Carolina. They're they're still feisty. I mean, losing Chase Young for the season is absolutely brutal. It's not like he's been
1: amazing though. To begin with, all three NFC teams that aren't the Cowboys. Have some heart. If you catch them on the right day, they could beat you.
0: Yeah. And then now Tampa's gotten got the Giants off of but Giants off a of bye on a, you know, a lo- even longer week on Monday night. And a team that gave them an issue last year when they met in prime time, where the Giants took them down on the wire. And if it wasn't for Daniel Jones literally losing them the game, honestly, they could have they could have they could have stolen a victory there.
1: Well, you so know what they, they say about you know what they say about the Giants off a of bye. <laughs> what do they say? No, nah, I don't know. I thought you tell me. <laughs> no, I thought you were going to say.
0: <laughs> no, I, I thought you going to say. You know what they say about the Giants against Tom Brady.
1: Oh, that's of course, not of course. <laughs> um, no, nah, in all seriousness, I will be picking the Bucks that week for a bounce back game, similar to what we saw with like the Bills and the Cowboys as well. So
0: week. I think the well, lines. I think the lines at like twelve. I think that's two or ten or twelve. I think that's yeah, way too like big that. of a.
1: No- I think it's way too big of a number. Where's the game?
0: It's uh, it's in Tampa.
1: I do think like, you know, we, t- um, we, we talked about this. I remember we talked about it a couple weeks ago and they I just was like, well, on. no, 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 no. Uh, well, that, but no, I was going to say, um, Oh, like the, the whole like weather things. So I think Brady really likes playing in Tampa, even though he was in new England his whole career, but then you were like, well, they will, well, they beat green Bay in lamb in Lambo, and they beat Washington in the playoffs last year as well. I still think they really play a lot better in Florida,
0: but giants also are really bad at home. And this game's on the road. Every team is bad at home. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, we were going through, it was uh, the Patriots are bad. Uh, I think you said the Eagles are bad. Yeah. The Giants are bad. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, we'll, look no further than tonight's game where the 4-0 away team Rams play the 0-4 home team 49ers. I mean, there you go right there.
0: Yep. Yep. Okay, let's head over to an NFC West team, the Carolina Panthers versus the Arizona Cardinals. Not much to take away from this game because we had two backup quarterbacks in this one. We didn't get to talk about the Cam Newton news because we yeah. didn't have the pot on Wednesday. So really the only thing I can come away from this one is I think the Carolina Panthers saved their season with this Cam Newton signing. I think he is a an upgrade over what Sam Darnold was. I think the fact of... I think we all have this preconceived notion about what cam was with that new England offense, with all those bad skill position players that they had there, nothing really for him to work with and all these different things. I think him in that offense with Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, all the guys there. I don't think we realize how bad Sam Darnold was. Sam Darnold was as bad as he was when he was in New York. I mean, his PFF grade yeah, right around the same, his EPA around the same, his, um, the offensive DVOA. I mean, they're third. They're 32nd, Carolina 32nd in offensive DVOA, and they were 30th in New York in 2020. There were all these different things. You look at the stats from 2020 with the Jets and 2021 with the Panthers. They're pretty much the same. This guy had reverted back to an, I think, Cam Newton's a significant upgrade for a team that's the defense is playing really well, and they have skill position players there. They're, I think they saved their season right now, and it's also the fact of You know, the Saints don't have the answer quarterback. I think the Saints blew it by not going to get him because I think that would have been a difference maker where I would have felt a lot more comfortable with them sneaking in into that six or seven seed in the wildcard spot and potentially even factoring into a potential competition with the Buccaneers for the number one seed or to win the division. But I don't see them getting there now.
1: Yeah. I have two words on the Cam Newton signing. Why not? Right. Why not? Because, um, because, you know, Darnold was playing poorly and he was hurt. PJ Walker's not an NFL caliber quarterback or even a backup, frankly. Um, and so he's a fan favorite, right? Panthers fans absolutely love this guy. You know, I know a couple of Panthers fans, um, you know, one in particular, most excited I've seen him in months, right? You know, I you send him the chef tweet, you get an all-caps reply, multiple messages. You know what I mean? One of those things. I mean, they absolutely love this guy. Why wouldn't they? He's arguably the best player in the franchise's history. You know, apologized apologies to Jake Delome and Steve Smith. But um, you know, the guy won an MVP, took them to a Super Bowl. Um they were four and five million of the week. Like I said, someone has to make playoffs in the NFC. Why not these guys with Cam Newton? Why not? Because you know, they have talent around them. They need a guy that's competent. I am really looking forward to his game next week in Carolina, I believe, against his former coach, Riverboat Ron. A really fun game.
0: Yeah, I will – I wanted to take Carolina so bad in that one. Or I was looking at – I'm like, I want to take whoever's going against Washington because I'm like, Washington's playing – this is their This is their best win of the season. They're going to have to let down. But then I look at Carolina, Carolina blows them out. But I'm still probably going to end up taking Carolina if I take a side on this game. And I had a feeling you were also going to go with Carolina as like when you were teasing it before about like, you know, there's one team that I, I think I feel confident with. with not, no, but it's not this team. Oh,
1: it's not? I thought that's what you were alluding to. No, no, no. For this team – it's the why not factor. Okay. Why not sign Cam Newton and make a run at it with him? It's way more fun to do it with Cam, especially being the Carolina Panthers, than it is with P.J. Walker or whatever, you know, Case Keenum, uh, Trevor Simeon, the light you can find on on free agency. So, no, this is just the why not team. Um, for the Cardinals, I have nothing to say. You know, to split two games without Kyler is very impressive, um, and they should be happy. And teams have off weeks, and they're still 8-2. and two. I really have nothing to say. You yeah.
0: Know. No, look, this game, not much. Like you said, split the games, but the fact is, you know, the Rams win tonight and you're tied there.
1: But you've got a tiebreaker, run...
0: yeah. You have the tiebreaker well, right now, they play one more time to yeah, decide that. But it's a fact of when's Kyler coming back? We don't know if he's for sure coming back next week, and at that point, he's still banged up. All these different things, D Hop wasn't playing, it's just you know, can I, it's, keep it's, dropping it's it's it's, yeah. If it's
1: Flip you them don't. with the Dallas Cowboys and you can sit Kyle, for four weeks, no problem. Right. That's the problem. And, and now all of a sudden, and it's like, especially given the way the NFC is shaking out, you might either like these, the Cardinals and the Rams might be one game apart. And that might be the difference between having a bye in a league now where only one team per conference gets a buy or, or being on the road the entire playoffs. So it's a huge, huge deal. But I think at the end of the day, the health is more important. You don't want to rush Kyler back. We've seen it in the past when you hurry him back. I think you gotta you know wait it out. Um,
0: yeah, I mean I've been preaching this with the Browns, and they're in uh, they're in the as opposed to the Browns, they're actually in the case or in the opportunity where they can sit Kyler down and not have to worry about playoff yeah. or the making the playoffs. But right now, you know, I'm looking at the standings. <laughs> you're either getting the one seed or you're playing the bucks on the road in the first round.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like
0: That is awful. That is awful yep. right now. Right. So um, I, yeah, I, I, I think that like the Cowboys sat deck for that Minnesota game and then they dropped the Denver game and nobody was the like, it's just like, okay, whatever. But they can afford to do I mean, yeah, they, exactly. gave the they gave up on the
1: buy. They gave up on the buy, but their downside is still playing a home playoff game. So it, it is pretty significant for the Cardinals. All right. And finally, without further ado, this is the team that's going to make the playoffs in the NFC. The Minnesota Vikings. They're going to make the playoffs. As much as I hate it, they're going to go nine and eight, and they're going to make the playoffs because they're look. They score points. They hang with every team. I hate to watch them. I love to watch them. It's hard to say. Um, they beat up on the Chargers, which always makes me happy because I don't really like them. Um, this team is going to make the playoffs, dude. You know, you look at the talent level across these middling NFC teams, whether you want to talk about the Eagles, the Saints, the Falcons, the Panthers, um, the football team, the Giants, even the Seahawks, who we'll get to later. Um, someone has to make the playoffs. It's probably going to be the Vikings. I would, you know, definitely, definitely, definitely like their chances to make it, given the way their season's going. I think they're a couple weeks away from being a lot better. But at the end of the day, they are four and five. Um I just think they're going to make it. I think they're definitely going to make it given, the, given how open those last two spots are. So it's a good win for them.
0: I mean, I look when we won your preview in the NFC North, this was my team to finish second. I, I said, this was a team that I really liked defensively. I thought they were going to make some strides and then offensively, obviously we know the firepower that they had there. It's the fact of Mike Zimmer and Kirk cousins gives me a little bit of pause, but the fact is that there's so many different teams vying for that last fight. And nobody's really impressed. I definitely put them on that top that top upper echelon of teams that I would definitely feel comfortable with, with like a, a Panthers, with even a Seahawks, because they have Russell Wilson at this point. I'm and trying so, to pull I'm trying to pull up the uh what the odds right now are so, for them so, yeah, to dude, make so, the playoffs. Dude, so
1: the thing is so the thing is like the Vikings, you have questions and fair questions or criticisms about their quarterback and coach, which for me still leaves them with the least question marks of all the possible playoff teams for those last two spots in the NFC. Um, because the question mark next to Kirk Cousins is a lot smaller than the question mark next to Trevor Simeon, a lot smaller than the question mark next to the Falcons defense, a lot smaller next to the question mark of the Eagles defense or the Seahawks situation or the Panthers or, you know, all these teams. Look, I don't love the, I don't love the Vikings, but I like them the most of these teams. This exact core has made the playoffs before this exact core has won playoff games before. So I don't see why they can't do it again. Um, and so, yeah, so yeah, let me know the odds. I am okay.
0: Sure. So, right now they are to make the playoffs, yes, plus 160, no minus 210. Oh, it's free. <laughs> I mean, look, right now they have five losses. You know how many points it's been by a combined of 18 points. Point. 18 points. I was really close. Yeah, so they, this is a team that plays a lot of very good teams close last week. They lost to the Ravens in an overtime game, they've lost some close games. They've also pulled out a co- like one close game against Detroit. You know, this is a team that plays things close to the vest, but they've, you know, they could have beaten the Cardinals. Like they were a kick away from the Cardinals. They were in overtime against the Bengals. I believe their kicker missed one there. You know, yeah. there's opportunities there, but that also makes you a little bit nervous when you just say like, you wanna, I'm not trying to brush aside the fact that their kickers missing these big kicks, but their team's in there. And I think that's something that you definitely have to be aware of when you're talking about which team can sneak in for the last part. As for the Chargers, I think this is just a bad stretch. I mean, the last five games versus Cleveland, Baltimore, New England, Philly, and Minnesota. You know what those teams have in common? They're five of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL. All five in top fifteen in rush yards per game, and with Baltimore, Cleveland, and Philly being top three, the top three. Meanwhile, the Chargers rank last in rush D DVOA. That's what they don't want to have. They, that's not. That's what they are really bad at defending on the defensive yeah. side. I think it's just bad matchups going against their against a team strength. And I look for them to bounce back in a big way against a Steelers offense that, you know, doesn't run the ball really well because they don't have a good offensive line. They have Najee Harris, but it's not like he's, I mean, you look at the advanced metrics on him, whether it's rush yards overexpected and all of these different things, he's not that good there. He, he gets what's blocked for him and he does it well and he makes makes some moves, but it's not something where it's game breaking. It's not like a Jonathan Taylor in that aspect. That's fair.
1: No, I, I agree, like, you know, for the Chargers, you don't panic yet, but they were never a threat to win the AFC in hindsight, given their flaws, because I think all their losses are explainable. But that's almost a bad thing. Does that make sense? Like, like all their losses are reasonable, which is not a good thing if you want to win the Super Bowl. I'd rather have a team that just didn't show that forgot to show up a couple of weeks because at least then it's like. Okay, like I still believe in this team. I still can't find that many holes with the Chargers. It's like, oh yeah, these teams. Oh yeah, like all these teams ran all over them. Teams can do that. Yeah, that's a problem. This team can't win the Super Bowl. Um, and they never could. Um, so yeah, you, I, you I, look, get yeah, what I'm saying, where no, like all no, this makes sense, which is yeah. a bad thing.
0: It's a bad thing right now when you're thinking about them making the Super Bowl or winning the AFC for this season. But I think it's something that you can easily fix going forward in the offseason because I think they have a good GM and a good. I think they have the right pieces, whether it's coach, GM, quarterback, and then some other pieces, whether it's Keenan Allen, whether it's Asante Samuel Jr., whether it's Joey Bosa, whether it's Derwin James.
1: I think, no, I think, like, honestly, Chargers hate aside. I do think if you're listing out the best like GM jobs in the league, they have to be top five,
0: and they already have a good GM. I, I think no, I, yeah, yeah. I, I I, I best. Like, yeah, yeah. If it's a blank slate across the board, they have to be. To, I think in the top five. Yeah. So uh, I think, look, there was it was an outside chance that they would even win the AFC to begin with. This was a team that was always looked at as second fiddle to the Chiefs going into the season. No, but, some- but hey,
1: but but the same way that you were harping on Mac Jones media narratives earlier. Let's not forget what people were saying about the Chargers. You know, a month ago.
0: No, that's very true. That's very true. And the, this five-game stretch against very run-heavy offenses proved that. You know, anybody, if you you're going to have to go through. I mean, I listed out four teams that are that are playoff-caliber teams in the AFC, and then Minnesota, who we've just gotten done discussing about it as an NFC contender all those teams are playoff caliber teams and you'd probably have to meet. met me. Oh, well actually three, I Philly just mixed in there. Um, three, A, three playoff caliber teams in the AFC and then Minnesota. And, you know, at some point you'd probably have to run into one of Cleveland, Baltimore, New England in the playoffs. And then you have to deal with exactly. that. You, be you would end up playing one
1: of those guys. You, ex- yeah. Ex- so all okay, right, let's, um, let's get to your team, Philly, Denver. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's funny. Um, I heard a lot of people say that Teddy too would have a good game because, you know, the Eagles are letting up the 80% completion rate against everybody. And he's a guy who like, will play it safe. Um, and he was not great. I mean, he didn't have any picks, but he didn't have any touchdowns either. Um, they also did a good job of stopping the run. Another game where, well, I mean, look, you have two running backs, both run for 80 yards and Jordan Howard and Boston Scott. That's obviously a good sign. And then Devonta Smith, um continues to prove me right. You know, a really, really great game. And it was fun to watch him go up against Patrick Sertan. Um, so you know, all in all, is a great team win. Obviously, the fumble recovery from Slay all but sealed it. Um, it was a very, very good team win. I it's funny, even look at the Eagles, right? They're four and two on the road and own and four at home. So, yeah, as we talked about, but uh back to the point. Um you know, going into the game, I can't say that I even necessarily wanted to win it. I mean, you don't really tank in the NFL, but at the same time, um, I was thinking like, okay, we could we have multiple top five picks, top 10 picks. Um, now you have to at least raise the question, right? So they're playing the Saints this week in an absolutely massive game for both teams. Borderline loser leaves town game. Um, and, and it's... Um, Man, you know, if they win, you know, don't let these Eagles get hot because they have a stretch, as I think we talked about before, where at some point it's like at Jets, at Giants, by football team Giants, by something to that effect. And so while the Giants and football team are also looking at those games against the Eagles and saying, oh, that's winnable, at the end of the day, Eagles have five games in six weeks that are very, very winnable with a bye week mixed in there. So I think – um you know, this team could get hot. They could win nine games, and they could sneak in the playoffs. I still don't expect it, but it's nice to see a little bit of fight. I was all but ready to, you know, get rid of Hurts and take a shot on some rando rookie QB, even though I don't really like any of the guys. Um, but now, you know, might have been enough to sort of get me to talk myself into it for um, another year, especially if things keep up the way they're going.
0: So DraftKings, I was looking, they don't even have odds for the Eagles to make the playoffs. I was curious. Well, we have tomorrow. to be like,
1: two and a half or three to one probably probably probably. if we're
0: talking about the the Vikings are plus 160 I assume they they feel a lot more confident than that of course yeah this was a great win I mean that Devonta touchdown that he had the 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 first one that he had was a great catch a great play by him you know Teddy (laughs) I mean look the, the Vic Fangio went with the guy that was gonna like keep his job safe for the entire season but you know Look where they're at now. This is a team that we didn't buy into to begin with. I didn't buy into the whole Teddy Two gloves, should be the starter. I've been a Drew Lock guy. I wanted to ride I wanted to ride the Drew Lock roller coaster for one more season.
1: This is exactly like look, you're nothing if not consistent. I will give you that. But you wanting Drew Lock over Teddy Two this season is exactly where we disagree on the whole quarterback discussion. Once again, going back to the Mac Jones um conversation that we just had where it's like you're like the ceiling is imaginary but the floor is real and the performance is real and the and teddy is just objectively better he's just better um and i know Locke could hypothetically in like a madden based scenario be better but he's just not so I think, um, yeah, it's kind of the same thing where, like, I, I get what you mean when you talk about, like, you know, the upside, upside, upside. At the end of the day, this team's trying to win games. And if you want to win games, you have to go with Teddy, too. And they did. And I they mean, look, 13 points against an Eagles defense that, as I'm
0: looking at it right now, hasn't given – has only given up less to the Detroit Lions and the Atlanta Falcons. Well, yeah, but it's – but I feel like it's easy to say. And this was a up. home game this is
1: a home game. Like you're, you're telling me this is what you do. Like, and it's not even like. Hey, teams don't play well at home anymore. No, but honest, but in all seriousness, I mean, look, it's easy to circle anyone's worst game. I mean, they scored 30 against the Cowboys last week. I know it was aided significantly by the defense, but it happened. And the they run scored- game. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. But I mean, at least Teddy doesn't give it to the other team. Um, you know, I, I think, um, I think look the Broncos went into this year they thought we have good receivers a couple of them got hurt unfortunately that um, we have a good defense you know they traded Von Miller so they're obviously a bit of sellers and um, they look they tried to win games and I think if you wanted to win games you had to go with Teddy Two Gloves I understand what you're saying where it's like the potential of Locke is better than the ceiling of Bridgewater but the re but the percent chance that you get the absolute Drew Locke ceiling which even so is not insanely higher than Teddy two gloves. Um, It's it, it just not realistic. Like it just I think,
0: okay. Happen. So here's, here's this is where we'll disagree. I think that him reaching, you know, 70 to 80% of that is a significant upgrade over what Teddy is because we've seen what Teddy is. And the fact is if my job is on the line and I know what Teddy two gloves is and I know that this roster in this division isn't doing anything with Teddy two gloves there, I would rather roll the dice with the guy that's got that ceiling where it's like, okay, I can hamstring myself to this guy. And I know that for 10 years, if he's the guy I'm with him, if drew locks, the guy, and I'm not saying it's a good chance that would have been, but you're going against in a division with Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes and Derek Carr. Those are three top, top 15 quarterbacks, top 12 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. You're not going to get it done. No matter how good this roster as a whole is with Teddy Bridgewater there. I think, I
1: agree. Yo, yeah, first of all, I agree. But second of all, you're not going to, Drew Locke is not happening. It's not happening. So I think, I almost think it's sort of like the, it's kind of like the Brooklyn Nets NBA model before they signed Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Let's go, let's be a 500 team, maybe make the playoffs. We'll be feisty, show we're competent. A quarterback's going to look at us or, you know, in the basketball case, Kevin Durant is going to look at us and say, wow, if I come to this team, imagine what it could be. And that's why I think, you know, they were the, they were the top candidate for Rogers this past offseason. You know, they've been mentioned with Russell Wilson. They've been mentioned with Deshaun. I think they're going to go get somebody.
0: But that's the difference is that they're, these guys aren't free agents. You have still have to
1: trade him. It's all about the cabinet. Yeah, but half actually. these guys have no trade clauses, so it kind of is for agency.
0: A little bit, but like I've seen, Deshaun Watson doesn't want to go there. It doesn't matter about the situation, and he just doesn't want to go to Denver. So is that the same case with like these other guys? I mean, I've seen Russell Wilson. He wants to go to like he wants to go to like New York. He wants to go to yeah, LA. He wants I think, think Rodgers
1: is going to go there. I actually do. Th- if Rodgers leaves, I think he's going to. go
0: I there. think it's between them and the Steelers for for Rodgers. Grant, at that's this point. Um, I, I, I said this. Uh, I think that's a good a good case for or a good place for him. We're not gonna I think we've gone over what what we what we need to about the Drew Lock Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, you know, I I was like
1: I was gonna make another point, but then it's just like we would just go back and forth on the same (laughs)
0: thing. We we all we both we both agree with each other's points. I get where you're coming from. That's just my philosophy. That's your philosophy. It's a good way to have, you know, a nice intellectual back and forth there. Let's get yeah, to I mean, good, hey,
1: good that we don't agree on, on everything. All right. So um, speaking of, this is perfect. Speaking of Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, let's do it. Um, Aaron Rodgers, or sorry, Russell Wilson, Mr. 19 Hours of Rehab a Day. Um, <laughs> man, who do you think, let me ask you something. Who do you think loves themselves more? Russell Wilson or Jamal Adams? I think Ross. I think Ross Because the fact is, you know, I was
0: listening to a podcast and they were talking about the, the Russell Wilson, like pregame stuff that he was doing before Sunday night that they had to highlight, obviously. Of uh, and it's like, you know, if it's, if it's a one o'clock game, are they really, is he really doing this? Is he really doing this in a one o'clock game? No, he knows that NBC's going to be following him around and seeing that like, Oh, this guy's doing a full game by himself. Cause he's trying to stay mentally ready. Like it's Russell Wilson, Mr. Unlimited. He loves himself.
1: Yep. And so anyway, um, he scores zero points, right? And obviously, look, you have to assume that the finger was not a hundred percent, but, and then you could say, Oh, well, if it wasn't a hundred percent, why did he come back? Look, I understand why he would come back and, I, and I'm not going to rip him for it at all yeah. for coming back. Um, The reality is 20 for 40, 160 yards, two picks. I mean, it's one of the worst games he's ever played uh, hands down. Um, but then also the rush, the rush game, couldn't get it going either. 16 carries 75 yards. It's like four yards a carry at best. Um, Actually, yeah. Well,
0: Collins had 10 for 41. I mean, the other,
1: the other 32 is coming from Russ himself. Yeah, exa- exactly. So the running backs are, yeah, 11 to 43, which is really, really bad. Sub four. Um, A.J. Dillon continues to come on for the Packers. I, I mean, yeah, well, I'll save the Packers for a sec. Seahawks, though, um, that was basically their season, right? You know, because now they're three and six, and they're in the toughest division in the league, arguably. I might say the AFC North, but it's close.
0: I, I think they've got some games coming up. I like them against Arizona right now. Gut punch. I th- I like them versus Arizona next week, and then you got games at Washington, at Houston, at or versus Detroit, versus Chicago. That that's like four or five winnable oh, games. Wow. And, and, and then, that's and then, that's really nice. Exactly. And you have Russell Wilson going back. I don't think it was their season at that one. I think it was one that you go in and you're like, okay, in Lambeau at this point. You know, let's try and win this one. The the pick that Russ had in the end zone, I mean, that was just absolutely atrocious. And look, it, it ended up not mattering because the other way back, Rodgers threw an equally bad pick to Jamal Adams for the first interceptions he, he's had in like three years. So yep. at least it balanced it out there.
1: That's but, why that's why I brought up the Jamal and, uh, and, oh, yeah. and Russ thing. It's a good question. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. I, look, with the Packers, like this offense, I, I was surprised that this offense struggled as much as they did. Cause it's not like Rogers is coming back from injury. It doesn't seem like he had like any issues with COVID. I mean, unless he's not going to say anything, but we'll see. But the offense was at full strength for most of the game. Aaron Jones, I know got injured late in it, but you know, for most of the game you had everybody there, AJ Dillon, like you said, it was rolling. I, I like 17 points against a Seahawks defense that I think they should have had more on,
1: you know, it, I, I it's think it's amazing. a little bit worrisome. It's amazing how much better. Like, so I'm looking at the AJ Dillon box score now. 21 carries, 66 yards, two touchdowns. It's a good game, right? But you know, it's the the yards per carry is actually really bad. It's like three, but it's funny. Like with the two touchdowns, it makes it acceptable, and it is a good game. Like I, I don't, you know, I'm not. Well, it's also, it's it, but it, 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 it just it's crazy.
0: But it's also like he gets those goal line carries. It's like okay, what he's supposed to run for a hundred yards past it if he gets by. Him, That's like, true, and it's and, also like,
1: and, and the short. You know, line, the, the objective guard. of the game to score, he puts it in. I mean,
0: exactly. Know. And the third and twos, the third and ones, the fourth yeah. and ones, those ones, they, it'll, I think, skew it that way. So I think that yards per carries can be a good metric, but it's also one where you know you you kind of have to add some context with it in certain cases where guys are getting goal line carries and there's not it's not like they can run for the 10
1: yards if they're at the one yard line. Dylan Dylan has some like 80% of Jonathan Taylor potential. I think. I I don't
0: know I don't know about Jonathan Taylor's just so smooth with how he runs. Like he's AJ Dylan's just like so powerful with it. Like I think he's Derek Henry light but I don't think he's yeah, ever going to. It's, it's hard to be Derrick Henry like because everybody's
1: like three inches shorter than him and 40 pounds less. I just, Even a guy I, like Dylan.
0: Yeah. I don't think he'll ever be Derrick Henry though. But like, I think he's that guy that's like pounding with Jonathan Taylor. He hits these holes. He's very, he's able to maneuver all these different holes very well and very seamlessly. I just think it's so pretty to watch him run, the, run the football. I don't I get think, that with Dylan. think
1: um, I think just the last thing on the Seahawks and why I think their season kind of is over. I won't like, you know, fully put the nail in the coffin, but I, I wouldn't be taking whatever odds they're going to offer on DraftKings. So I know that they, they expect to be taking money, so they're not going to you know give great odds on it. Um, I just think you're requiring a team that's been bad all year, even when Russ was healthy, honestly. You're requiring them to win – you know, six out of eight, I guess, to, to go nine and eight. A- and that should get you in in this pretty weak conference. I mean, even eight and nine has a chance. But let's say you have to win nine games. You're going to have to really, really turn it around and start ripping off wins in a season where you haven't been able to do so. Um, like I said, even when you had Russ, you didn't look that good. So I think um, it's one of those things where, like, you know, with the Chiefs in week five, and we're like, it's going to turn around, it's going to turn around. At least you had, you know, another 12 weeks to go. The season's halfway over now, so I think – um I think it's unlikely. I do.
0: I, okay. So right now they're plus 300 on DraftKings to make the
1: playoffs. It should be plus 500. If it was like, you know, nameless players and all that stuff. Yeah. That's what, that's but, what I'm
0: so when I go through the schedule, last thing I'm going to say, I think, the, I think there's a very real case. I think they win at Arizona and then they just have to win the, like the winnable games. So at Washington home versus San Fran at Houston versus Chicago and versus Detroit. That's their six wins right there. And then you lose the games at the Rams and at the Cardinals. I think that's very, very doable for them. And honestly, I might sprinkle a little bit on the 300. I probably won't end up doing it because, you know, I've been on the whole, I think the Seahawks are the the worst team in the NFC West uh, for the entire season. So I might have to just ride it out. Okay. Last yep. game, Sunday night, KC, Vegas, Kansas City. Welcome to the NFL season. Welcome. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back. Finally saw them wake the hell up. I'm not going to say that they're like, they're they're 100 percent back, but it was nice to see, you know, this offense actually show some life against a pretty good team and a team that's actually held their own in the AFC and in the NFL so far this season in the in the Raiders, both offensively and defensively. And they were able to be really stout with them throughout the entire game.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think. I think this is a bit of fool's gold with KC. I'm not fully back yet. I I think they're going to make the playoffs. You know, they're in first in the division now. But I think, okay, you beat the Giants by three in a game that you could have lost at home. You beat the Packers by six again at home with Jordan Love. And you only scored 13 there. So you scored You scored scored 20 and then you scored 13 against the Giants and the Packers respectively. Now they're elite defenses. They're solid, but they're not elite. Um, Then, you know, you put up a great game against the Raiders, but I think as I talked about last week, the Raiders are done and this time it's not their fault. It's like I said before, just too much happened in the season. I'm calling their season. I really liked them this year, and it was unfortunate. And I never viewed them as a Super Bowl contender, but um, their season is done. And I just thought they hung a lot of points on them. I thought there were some throws that could have been picks. Obviously, the stat line is great. It was like 35-50 for, a, you know, 405 tuds, no picks. Very impressive. But I thought, um, you know, I, I'm not fully back yet. One week like that is not enough to get me back. And like I'm saying, they're 3-0 in the past three weeks. but that's like that's not that's not accurate like you know oh look they're three now in the same way it's Mid-times. like flip side of the vikings where it's like where it's like you look at the vikings and they're like oh we're one and two but we should be three no well you're not but i'm just saying they've played poorly and, and they're winning games and they're still playing as poorly as they were playing before and i thought they had a great game last night but this one week is not enough it's not oh they're back they're back they're gonna win the super bowl no nah, i don't think so i think um I think they're probably going to make the playoffs because they got lucky with their schedule. Realistically, right? I mean, it's not not every day you get to play the Packers without Rodgers. Um, and uh, I still, yeah, I'm love
0: not I'm not saying that they're back. Like, okay, this is a team that's running through the ABC and going to the going to the Super Bowl. But you know, there there's encouraging signs there with the Giants. One I know in particular, the Giants' secondary is really good. That's what their bread and butter. That's what they've gone out and they've drafted and they've signed guys, whether it's a Dory Jackson, James Bradbury, they've gone and they've drafted guys like Xavier McKinney in that secondary to stop the pass. And that's what the Kansas City wants to do. So I thought that was a really good matchup for them. And then I don't, I don't know the Packers one. I'm not going to brush it to the pass. I'm not going to brush it to the side. That was just a shitty effort, but the same way with the Titans and the fact that they just churn out wins, it, it still all counts the same it's not as impressive as the Titans one. And that's why I'm not going to, you know, completely boast about it. And that's why they're not a team that I look at as a, you know, a Super Bowl favorite at this point. But I think right now you see the wheels turning. You saw they get Kelsey in space. They were able to get Tyreek Hill on some. There's just, a, you know, Mahomes was able to connect on a couple of long passes, but there's still, you know, those 60 yarders that are, he's just right. He's just missing them by a little bit. And those are ones that over the past couple of seasons, he's been able to hit. And I feel like Mm -hmm. at some point, it's got to regress to the mean. And the law of averages, he will start to hit those. And that's when this offense starts to really click because this is an explosive offense because of the fact that Tyree kill can run 80 yards. And Patrick Williams is one of the only quarterbacks that can actually deliver to him on time, right on the money. So that's, that's where I saw the encouraging signs that the offense was able to move the ball because we had seen the past two weeks or the past three weeks going back to that Titans game where they weren't able to do so just against any team. I know the Raiders aren't, at the at the moment at that really like that great spot because of all the stuff that's happened to them in the locker room but it's still
1: something that you have to go out and show it and that's a really good team that you just beat by 27 points at home and I think the last thing I'll say is that despite everything of what I just said about the Chiefs the AFC is so wide open that the only team I'd confidently pick above them is the Bills and the Bills just lost to the Jags so you know it's there for the taking if they want to get it together
0: yeah I think I'd have the same thing Bills and then and then Chiefs at this point I don't necessarily, necessarily, Or the only team I would take, or, def, or I would take over them.
1: Exactly. Exa, like, like here's the thing. If you're saying who would you take over the Chiefs right now, I'd only give you the Bills. But if you said make your list, I'm not guaranteeing the Chiefs would be second. You
0: know, I'd have to think no, about. Yeah, it. no, that, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, it's eight twenty-two. Monday night. Yeah, football come on, let's kicked, watch football. Monday night football just kicked off. Just quick, what's your pick? Because I know every nobody's gonna know, nobody, it. or what's your pick? But nobody I know is gonna be like seeing this before the no, no, out.
1: honestly, uh Rams minus three and a half, but I've been I was following the play by play for these last couple of minutes. Stafford already threw a pick. Um hmm. I I took the I took
0: the Niners before the game plus three and a half. So no, Staff,
1: that was dude, every time it's funny, Stafford's been in prime time two weeks in a row, and all the quarterbacks have played horrible games during the day. And I'm like the MVP is there, and he just comes out and does this shit. Two well, weeks row. it'll be
0: interesting when we revisit it on Thursday. When yeah, we're gonna be moving the pod to Thursdays now. Um, so Mondays and Thursdays from now on. On Thursday, I know we weren't able to touch on it after we previewed it on Monday, but we will be discussing our mid-season awards as well as previewing the week 11 games in the NFL season. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening. Catch
1: you on Thursday.